there's little things in life that have the ability to mean so much to us. For me, it's those notes and the letters. Notes and letters have been uh, like an infrequent but significant part of my love relationship with Kristen. Uh, earlier today, I told Kristen to go into her drawer where she keeps all of uh, the terrible notes that I've written her and, and send us a couple. Here's a picture of uh, two of the super long essays, right? You can't, you can't read that, thank goodness. If you did, it wouldn't be embarrassing because like, it would reveal a lot about me. It would be embarrassing because you're like, Charles, that's what you had to say to Kristen? Uh, those notes, they were cool. Uh, they eventually led me to marriage and three and then now four kids. And so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, but some of the notes, they got a little bit better. This next one's a little bit more creative. Uh, how many of you guys in here love, love Calvin and Hobbes, right? And so for me, the idea of going to Hallmark and buying a card to send to somebody, like... One, I'm like feeding a machine that I hate, right? Like, I ain't going to do that. And two, it's totally meaningless to me. And so this was a birthday card or thing, I, I think. Uh, and it's, it, it's making fun of Calvin's, uh, like, fantastic relationship with Susie, uh, which sometimes char- is characteristic of my relationship with Kristen. Here's what I wrote inside. If I get up close, I can read it for you guys. Hey, Kristen, I just wanted to drop you a reminder and let, let you know, you are the sweetest, most loving person I have met. Thank you for putting up with me. And I abbreviated with because I was too lazy when I was writing her notes. Thank you, Charles. Thank you for putting up with me this past year and a half. It's truly been wonderful. Hope you have a wonderful Valentine's Day this year with many more to come. Hey, and I kept good on that promise. It's been like 15 Valentine's Days since then affectionately yours with a little Chinese swiggle. I don't. Charles Homer, P.S. I know it's not a Hallmark card. See, it's been a long-standing hatred that I've had for Hallmark. But I hope you like the comic as much as I did. Huh? Guys, I have to be honest with you. You'll, you'll learn a little bit more about me in tonight's lesson. Uh, one of the things is that I was educated overseas. And... I'm going, to tell you the, I'm going to tell you very honestly, uh, Chinese education uh, did wonders for my math. Um, my English, eh, okay. I think I spelled letters home right. That's a series that we're going to be in for the next four weeks. And what I want to do with this series is to share my family with you guys. Uh, here's a picture of the young Homer family. Uh, that's dad and mama in the middle. On the right-hand side is my sister, Mindy. Uh, that little baby is now Captain America. His name's Gabriel. Uh, the smiling one is me. And then the one in the killer vest. Man, I would wear that vest now. That one is Anthony. Here's a little bit more modern of a picture, which I think this was in when I was in high school. Oh, I lost my head. It's okay. You guys, you guys know what I look like. And you don't need to know how my hair went a little bit further before before uh, before I started having kids and such. Uh, the smiling one is Anthony. Uh, the one below Anthony, the like, super young one, you think like, man, that's a little baby. That's the girl that James married, okay? That's Bridget. I'm not sure that it was legal, but it happened. That's Bridget, mom and dad in the middle, Nikki on the right, Mindy on the right. Uh, that's back at the the 
bleach blonde hair. That's when Eminem was really cool. Uh, maybe still cool. Somebody should try it out. Uh, that's Gabriel. That is my family. The Letters Home series is going to revolve around the special act of writing a letter. In this series, uh, I want to share my family with you. And my family is weird uh, because we love each other, but we never talk. <laughs> like, never. And, and I mean, part of it makes sense. My parents live in Taiwan. My brother lives in Japan. My one sister lives in Seattle. Bridget stays here. With, Bridget is in like the area with me. Uh, my other sister is in Georgia, I think. Uh, and then my my oldest brother is in Sarasota, Florida. And so like, we're all over the place. And it gets just a weird relationship. Like when we get together, we have so much fun. Like and we're, can you imagine having like, multiple homers in one place? Like it's chaotic. Uh, it's messy. It's it's sometimes just like nasty how we relate to each other. But at the core of it, I can honestly say that that I love my siblings, my parents, and like I'm very confident that they would say the same thing about me. In this series, though, I don't really want it to be. Uh, just me and my family. Uh, I have two goals for you guys in this Letter Home series. The first thing is, I want for the next four weeks as we go through this Letter Home series, I want you uh, to follow my example and to invest in your family. To invest in your family. Especially during the teenage years and parents like joke about it, like joke about this terrible thing that, that teenagers do to the family. And it's it, it's kind of sad, but it's also very true that like when we go to school, we're like nice and friendly and so joyful. But then we get home and it's like, Ma, where's the meatloaf? You know, it's like and we're just like demanding and nasty and gross. Where we're at Omega, we're having fun, some of you. Uh, and we're, we're, you know, we're smiling and engaging in relationship. And it's like we get into the car. And it's like, sit down, you know, with that like disgusting face on. Like, don't talk to me. Like, hey, how was church? Good. And so part of this series is I want you to invest in your family. I want you to realize how important family is. Secondly, I want you to learn from the things that I'm sharing in my letters. Really what I want to do is to use the letters that I'm going to be sharing with you guys to open the door. And I don't want to teach from the letters. I want to teach from timeless truths that are that are held in Scripture uh, Truths that have the ring of thus saith the Lord. Really where this series came from uh, was my nighttime, nighttime prayer time. Every night before I get into bed, it's like a, it's like a ritual that if I, can't, if I don't do it, I, I don't sleep. And so uh, I go out and sit in the cool of the, my like, front porch area, sit down and pray through the day. Pray through the day that just happened. Pray for the future. And two things that frequently pop up are one, you guys, because... In a preacher's mind, it's like, hey, what am I going to teach on Wednesday? What am I going to teach on Sunday? What am I going to teach on Wednesday and Sunday? And it's like it's a never-ending vicious cycle that I'm just like constantly thinking. And I'm really passionate about wanting to get you guys uh, to know and love Jesus the way that I know and love Jesus. And I genuinely want to share that with you guys. And then another thought that, that frequently pops up in my uh, nighttime recaps is my family. Where I want my family, uh, and it's like I know them better than I know you. And so like, I want my mom to do this. I want my brother to believe in Jesus. I want Gabe to take care of his family. I want, I want Nikki to, to walk in the way of the Lord. And, and, and like this, uh, this like, of course you should do this. God was like, how about you bring both of those things 
together. And so that's what that's what this letters home series is. It's it's me writing letters to my family, and I actually wrote letters uh, to my family. One down, three to go. Uh, and want to share those with you in hopes that you could learn something uh, that, that, that I want my family to learn. This is my mom. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about a letter to my mom. Uh, I think this is my mom. My mom's coming. Nope. Nope. Uh, is there a picture of my mama? Go back one. That one's way too cute. I want to I wanna end with that one. This one's Mama the Blondie. Uh, the Blondie is Mama. Uh, I think the one on the left is Anthony with the cool army hat, right? And then you think, who lets you walk out of the house with a pink beanie and a teddy bear jacket on? I don't know. Uh, but that's, that's what happens when you're, like, when you're raised overseas. Just weird missionary things happen, okay? Uh, I think that's Mindy, but that doesn't really look like... That might be Mindy. I don't know. And I have no idea who the uh, other two people are in the picture. Huh? That's good. I like Brooklyn. Uh, so that's my mama. And then this is also my mama. I'm probably, how old do you think that I am right there? Is that like a, is that like a one-year-old, like one and a half, something like that? Two? Huh? And so that's me and my mama. I have no idea where that picture was taken. My mom, my mom was amazing. She took us, uh, she raised six kids, and she, she killed it with all six of us. Uh, she took us on adventures. Uh, she worked in order to, to put us through school, and, and, and she worked, like, at home to make sure that we were taken care of. And my mom really, like, when I, when I look at, like, my life, many of the good things that I have in my life really are a direct uh, direct response to the example that I saw from my mom. She took care of me. She took me on adventures. She taught me to love other people, and she taught me how to love Jesus. And we'll get a little bit more into the specifics of uh, what I really think was meaningful from my childhood, but I just want to set out uh, in the beginning that I don't want you to think that my mama was perfect. Because a lot of times, like, we, we, we aren't able to relate uh, to somebody because you think that's not my story. Uh, when I first started planning this series, what I envisioned doing, what I even told a couple of the leaders and a few people that I talked to about the series, was I was going to write my mom a letter. And in the letter, I was going to tell her to do something. My mom for sure is a workaholic. She, she goes, goes, goes. She serves, 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 uh, even to the detriment of relationships. And you're like, Charles, that sounds a lot like you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and so I wanted to tell mom, like, mom, especially now, especially now that you're fighting with cancer, especially now that, that you're back and forth and you're not sure if you're going to have surgery, if the cancer is going to go away or how long you have left, especially now, mom, you've done enough. Slow down. You're going to kill yourself. Just go, go, go. Serve, serve, serve. It's not sustainable. You can't do it. And, and as like a 31-year-old man, uh, and I have a family of my own, right? Like I, I felt like I've arrived. I can, I can uh, tell mom what to do. And so I sat down with my note, notebook. I was like, all right, mom, here it goes. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compel you to, to change your lifelong habits. And as I started writing, I was just like, Ah, there, I can't do that. I, there's, there's not a chance that I could do that. 
And really the only thing that I could say was thank you. My family doesn't do a good job communicating love or, or sharing our emotions with each other. We're just like emotionless beings when we're together. And so this is my attempt at expressing love to mama. Uh, I wrote it here, handwritten, because like, if you type your notes, I don't know, that's not personal, but so I could share it with you and so I can read it without stuttering, because I can't read my own handwriting. Uh, I typed it out. Here's my note to my mom. Dear mom, do you remember back when I was a senior in high school applying to colleges? When it was time to submit my essays for my applications, I remember how you stayed up a few times with me until 2 a.m. to help me get them just right. When I think of my childhood, that kind of self-sacrificing service is what I remember most. Even when you were working full-time, you were going to school and helping at church, you always showed your love for us kids by making our lunches, helping with our homework, taking us on adventures. You really were an, ex an extraordinarily adventurous mom. What other mom would put two kids on her bike and cart them around town to go shopping or go to the park. I wish I had a picture of that for you. What other mom would take her family camping for a month every summer? Especially now that I have my own kids. And I realize how stressful camping can be. How stressful camping can be. Do I realize how hard it must have been to do what you did. And to do it alone many times. And to think that you, did, you didn't just take us camping. But you were also the camp chef. There was like 20 cabins. And there were like a group of like 50 people that we would go camping with every summer. Mom was like, yeah, I'll be the camp chef. I'll cook dinner or I'll cook lunch every day for all of them. You were the camp chef and you would take us swimming every single day. What other mom would even dream of doing what you did? I remember the neighborhood Bible classes you hosted while we were living in Hong Kong. You had me, Anthony, and Mindy ride our bikes around inviting our friends over to the house for a mini vacation Bible school, you start with the creation story and teach all the way through the resurrection while Anthony translated into Chinese. Even though it was just a few kids in our house, you went all out to organize games, snacks, and even craft time. When we moved back to California, you did another community Bible club. At our church, you ran a great vacation Bible school. I remember doing puppets for the skits and being so frustrated that you were such a perfectionist. Doing puppets is actually harder than it looks. I think your insistence on having quality programs for kids is part of what makes me good at what I do now. You loved us kids, Mom. And you modeled a love for children in Jesus. And I just wanted to say thank you. Please let those words sink in, Mama. As I've gotten older and gained more perspective on my childhood, I can see that although it was good, it wasn't all good. My life and my parenting probably reflects some of your and dad's shortcomings, like my tendency to be shallow or distance in relationships. But more than your shortcomings, Mama, I want you to know how much I appreciate your strength, the many ways you were such a great mom. I love you so much, Mom. Because of my emotional shallowness, I haven't said this to you very much, but it's absolutely true. I love you, Mom. My prayer for you as you fight for a healthy life is that you would know in, the, in your soul 
how much I and the rest of the kids love you. Maybe more importantly, that you know how much God loves you. I pray that knowing that I love you and knowing that God loves you would sink down deep and fill your day and every other day for a good long while with happiness. Your loving son who is thankful for all you have done. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Two little words that can be so meaningful and so powerful. I think the reason why writing the note was such a big deal for me was because thankfulness is such a big deal in and of itself. Like I said earlier, I don't want this to be uh, teaching on my letter. I want the letter to open the door and bring us to the scripture and let God teach us timeless truths that we need to learn. Because sitting on my deck at night, I think, man, I just wish that they would understand this. And I wish that we would understand this. I wish that we, as, as, as children, as, as sons and daughters, would have our faith, have our Christianity, not just be something that's silly and in here that involves the easy raise of hands, but something that would be meaningful, something that would be powerful, something as simple as thank you, mom. Thankfulness is a major theme that is repeated throughout the scriptures. In First Thessalonians, Paul writes, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He said, give thanks in all circumstances. He said again in Ephesians, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of my favorites in Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. My favorite story about thankfulness involves lepers. Leprosy in the Bible was a big category of skin diseases. Uh, that certainly includes uh, leprosy that we understand it today, but was further reaching than that. If you had a skin disease and it was starting to cause some ty- kind of deformity, you were condemned as a leper and as a leper so that your disease didn't spread within the community. You were cast out of the community. And sometimes people's skin diseases would get better and they would be healed and they could come back into community, but sometimes they wouldn't. And they would live their lives as outcasts, not able to interact with community, but having to set up their own communities and live separate from everybody else, not able to worship, not able to, to, to go to the family gatherings, not able to be a part of family. Jesus comes into a small village, and uh, you can imagine him walking past the small stone wall that surrounded uh, the, the arid village there. He's in between Galilee and Samaria, and as he comes into the village, he runs into a group of lepers, 10 lepers to be exact. And they stood at a distance, and they lifted up their voice, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, hey, go show yourself to the priest. The priest was the person in the community who could say, you're no longer, you're no longer sick. 
You're no longer needing to be quarantined. You're no longer needing to be cast out of society. And so he, if you were cleansed of your sickness, you would go to the priest and show the priest and say, hey, I'm clean. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 17 that as they were going to the high priest, as they were going to the priest, they were cleansed. We pick up the story in Luke chapter 17. This is verse 15. Luke 17, 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell down at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this? foreigner and god said to him rise and go your way your faith has made you well i love this story because it gives us as christians such a good reason to be thankful jesus gets these lepers and they say hey jesus cleanse us and he just says go show yourself to the priest and as they're going they are healed totally free all because they asked. And if this is your first time in church and you don't really understand the gospel, you don't understand the over, like the big picture of scripture, you may not understand why this is so significant. But for those of you guys who have been around for a while and know the story of Jesus, you know why this is important for us today. Because sort of given in like a picture that illustrates what Jesus did for us what Jesus did for the lepers is what Jesus did for us. This is the gospel. This is the good news. That we were sick. That our sin has deformed our lives. That our hearts are wicked and deceitful. We can't even understand our own hearts. But in that condition, that condition that separates, from us, that separates us from God, that condemns us to an eternity in hell, Jesus brings healing. And it was free. And it was all because he asked. And it wasn't free for Jesus. In order for Jesus to make our relationship with God right again, it cost Jesus his life. We're just coming out of the Easter season where we focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus. The way that Jesus can say, you are healed and say to our broken hearts, you don't need to be broken anymore. The reason that God can say, you are adopted into God's family. The reason that God can say, I love you is through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That Jesus died for our mistakes so that we don't have to pay for them because he already did. And it's by grace, through faith, it's free. And all we have to do is ask. Even though that's true, frequently our lives are like, the, are, are like this story, aren't they? That everybody was healed. That if I ask this room, like, how many of you guys know that you have a relationship with Jesus and you're on your way to heaven? And you'd be like, "Woo, yeah, that's me. And I would have my hand up. But then if I ask, how many of your lives are characterized by thankfulness? You'd be like, one in ten. One in ten. I wonder if God's asking like, uh, hey, weren't, weren't all hundred students in Omega forgiven of their sins? 
Aren't there a hundred students here that, that, that believed in Jesus and freely received my forgiveness? How come it's only ten of them that have their lives that are characterized by thankfulness? Yet, Christians should be the most thankful people in the world. We have to understand the Jesus part of thankfulness. We have to understand the, thank, the Jesus part of thankfulness. And here's what I mean by that. We are thankful because of Jesus. We are thankful because of Jesus. When some of you heard my letter as I was reading, some of you guys who have good relationships with your mom uh, got fuzzy feelings and you're like, yeah, that was great. Other people of you guys who don't have great relationships with your mom, there's maybe like a tinge of jealousy. How come his childhood was good and mine hasn't been? How come his relationship with his mom is good and mine hasn't been? I'm not thankful. I can't say thank, thank you to that, that woman. It wouldn't be genuine. The only emotion that I feel in my heart are the only emotions that I feel in my heart are negative, and I like I'm just gonna hide those down until I can distance myself and when I get out of the home, I'm not going to have a relationship with my mom anymore. You're saying, Charles, thank you? And I think frequently we may have that attitude because we don't understand thankfulness. That, that, that we're not thankful because, simply because we are in good circumstances. That we are thankful because of what Jesus has done. A lot of us have people in our lives, like Jose, Justin Thomas, annoying sister, uh, stinky brother, dad, mom. And me, right? And we come over and we're like, I want to be thankful. I want to be thankful, but there's just nothing left to give. There's no thankfulness that I have to give and what we don't realize. Is that we have nothing to give because we don't have a relationship with Jesus. That the way thankfulness works is that we don't get our thankfulness simply from our circumstances, but we get our thankfulness from Jesus. That when we understand what Jesus has done for us and when we experience the gospel and the gospel isn't something that we simply sing songs about. The gospel isn't something that that we simply know, but it doesn't affect our hearts. But when the gospel is something that overflows in our heart and it creates joy in us, then we have thankfulness to give to the people in our lives. That we can be thankful to mama. And we can be thankful until we have nothing left to be thankful for. And then we say, Mom, I'm just angry right now. And then we can go back to Jesus. I knew that that would happen. Mom, Mom needs to go to Jesus too, for sure. Yeah, good call. I moved my Bible. I should also do that. That we can be thankful even to the Casey's of the world, even to the Jose's, even to the whoever else that is and Justin Thomas's. 
that we have thankfulness to give when we realize what Jesus has done for us. But when we walk through life thinking, no, 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 no. In order for me to be thankful, you owe me a good life circumstance. And you know what? That's completely backwards. There's a lady named Brené Brown. Uh, am I saying that correctly? Brené Brown uh, went into a study on happiness. And she wanted to know what makes happy people happy. And she went in with this understanding. She, she went in thinking, and this was sort of her thesis that she went to go prove, that people who are happy are naturally thankful. And so she went in, she did interviews, uh, she read letters, and she did anything that she could do to understand the relationship between happiness and thankfulness. Thinking that the happy people are going to be the thankful people. But what she found out was the complete opposite. It's not the happy people that are thankful. It's thankful people that are happy. That, that, That the cause and effect have been switched. That when we just learn, that when we're saying like, I have nothing to give, I have nothing to give, I have nothing to give, that we're keeping our cup empty. But when we get in the habit of pouring our cups out, our cups, our cups naturally are filled back up with the joy and the happiness that we long for so much. And that is so important. The comedian told me about critics math. Critics math is this idea that for every one negative comment that we that we hear uh, it takes 10 positive uh, comments to equal out so when when a comedian's doing their show you know and somebody comes up afterwards like your jokes suck and, and and you know it takes 10 positive comments to sort of equal out the equal out the scale uh until you think like oh okay right how important is, is it for us to realize that in our families that for every one time we say, like, Mom, I can't believe that you're not letting me do this. Like, Mom, you let me down. Or, or maybe it's not, it's not what we say. It's just the looks that we have in our eyes. Where, where, where we're communicating with our facial features, you should have known better. And it's that stinging silence that we give to our parents. That if the, if the ratio is 10 to 1, and we got some ketchup to do, right? We got some pouring to do. That we need to be thankful people. Here's, here's what I want for you guys tonight. Not mom. Not mom. But she, needs, she needs thankfulness. But I want you guys to have your lives filled by Jesus. I want tonight as we sing these last couple of songs. For you to fill your cup with Jesus. For you to have that emotional connection with your Savior so that you have thankfulness to give. But don't base it on the world's policies. The world has all this, in a little bit, we're going to hear some science on happiness. But the world's science on happiness is kind of like playing catch up to what the Bible has been saying for thousands of years. For thousands of years, the Bible has been saying, hey, be thankful. Be thankful. Express your thanks. Tell people thank you, right? And the Bible has just been saying that all the way back from the Exodus story through Jesus. They've been saying, say thank you. Express your thanks. The Psalms. Go read the Psalms. Every other Psalm is like a thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Right? And so for thousands of years, the, Bibles have been, the Bible has been saying, say 
thank you. Use those two meaningful and powerful words to express the good that has been given to you. And, and with the emphasis in positive psychology, science is finally catching up and realizing, like, oh, my goodness. People should say thank you. People like Brené Brown are like, coming like, oh, like, even if, like, even if they don't feel it in their circumstances, even if they think that their home life is right, you should express thankfulness. You should choose to not say, Mom, you made me emotionally shallow. We should choose to say, Mom, thank you for taking me on adventures and doing what you could. Overlook the bad to embrace the good. And finally, science is catching up. I want to look at science real quick. Science can be super helpful. But science is going to leave you void and heartless unless your heart and your life is filled with the joy that comes from Jesus. Watch this video. What makes you happy? Having fun? Hanging out with friends? Delicious food? Making money? Well, consider this. Psychologists have scientifically proven that one of the greatest contributing factors to overall happiness in your life is how much gratitude you show. Yeah? Think about that. Go ahead and marinate on it for a second. You can thank me later if you want. It'll make you feel better according to this study. We read it, and we thought it might be fun to test out for ourselves. We gathered a selection of volunteers to act as our subjects. First, we gave them a test. They didn't know what we were looking for, but it gave us a pretty good idea of their current level of happiness. We asked them to close their eyes and think of somebody who was really influential in their life, somebody who did something really amazing or important for them. We had them write down as much as they could about why this person was so important. Now, a lot of them thought at this point the experiment was over until we really put them on the spot and tried to get them to call that person and read what they wrote about them. Thank you, Jessica. We are going to have to have you call your mother. So who is that right person for you? person is my sister, Erica. We're going to give Erica a call. <laughs> okay. Who'd you end up picking? friend of mine, uh, Craig Ains. Her name is Dora. My college accounting instructor. Really? Mm -hmm. Is this somebody you're still in touch with today? No, I'm assuming that he's passed on. That's, that's a shame. <laughs> to the great beyond. You up for it? Um, uh, yes. What would you say if we called up Dora? Oh, well, we can try, but she lives in Britain. In Britain? Oh, no, never by heart, dude. This is awful. That's fine. I don't know my mom's number by heart. If it's true that uh, those who are going on are looking down on us, maybe he read my chicken scratch. Hey, sweetheart. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Um, you got a second? Where you at? In the hotel? I am. I'm in the hotel. Uh-huh. You scared me. Are you asked if I had no. a second or something's wrong? No. I'm on this, I'm on, like, this little TV show, and... They told me to talk about the person that influenced me the most, and I picked you. And then, and they're making uh -huh. me call. You. They're making me call you. Oh, wonderful! Hi, you reached Craig. I'm not here right now. At the tone, please record your message. No, oh, come on. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hi, Erica. It's me. All right, so I got to read you this paragraph. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead, All right. sweetheart. All right. The person that influenced me the most would be my mother, Milo Dawson. She is a single mother of two. She is a very hard worker and dedicated to her family. Hey, Craig. This is Loie. Um, this is going to be a funny little voicemail, so I hope you enjoy it. 
I'm so sorry for calling you at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I have to read this to you, okay? And you can't say anything or, I don't know. You can respond, but I probably will just keep going. <laughs> okay? Is everything okay? Yes, but I have to read this out loud to you. The person who has had the biggest impact on my life outside of Jesus Christ, who is responsible for my existence, was my college accounting instructor. He had a joy and enthusiasm for his job like no other teacher I have ever known. I love her to death, and she keeps me going with positive talk. She is a woman that knows what she wants and won't give up until it is achieved. I first met Craig on an independent feature film set in Whitefish, Montana. I recently have been sending Craig a lot of positive thoughts as he's suffered a series of health problems. Despite his medical problems, he's continued to work and take pleasure in the small things in life, like sitting quietly with his wife Janine on the porch. Erica is my older sister and my best friend. Sometimes it even feels like we are twins. She's my number one fan and my number one supporter. She makes me happy because despite all my mistakes and my decisions, she still loves me no matter what. Your friendship is everything. And you are, you are one of the most important person in my life. Even when she has a kid and many children, I will love her more than her kids. Okay, maybe not. I will never forget when she flew 3,000 miles to the drop of a phone call to save me from a breakup. I'm being blessed by having a son like you. I love you. Bye. Why did you do that to me? <laughs> I don't know because they made me do it. Thank you for picking up. Bye, sweetie. And then they're like, here, you're going to write this letter. And then I wrote like this whole long-ass letter, which, you know, I like don't write. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, guess what? Now we're going to call her and you're going to read her this letter. And I was like, what the f***? <laughs> Before we let them go, we gave our subjects one more happiness test. Now we mixed up and rephrased the questions so they didn't know they were taking the same test twice. For those who took the time to actually write something down but couldn't make the phone call for whatever reason, we saw happiness increase between 2 and 4%. Good, but not exactly mind-blowing. Now, for those who actually picked up the phone and personally expressed their gratitude, we saw increases between 4 and 19%. So either way, expressing your gratitude will make you a happier person. But you want to know something really interesting? The person who experienced the biggest jump in happiness was the least happy person who walked in the door. What does that mean? That means if you're having a particularly tough time, trying this out will more likely have a greater impact on you. Trust me, I'm in a lab coat. Today I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm gonna ask you to write a note to somebody significant in your life. So I just want you guys, I want to ask you the question, who do you need to say thank you to? Who do you need to say thank you and there's a lot of reasons why we're not going to do this, but I, I don't, it just feels unnatural. I'm doing it at church. Of course it feels unnatural. It's always going to feel unnatural, right? Uh, I just don't, like, they don't deserve me to say thank you. Of course they don't deserve it. That's what grace is all about. Like, uh, I just don't think, I can't think of anything right now. Well, when are you going to think of something? We have a million and one excuses why you shouldn't write a note tonight. But what I was thinking is that 
one of my favorite invitations in scriptures is in the Psalms where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? You're like a, like the first time you're trying something, you're like, you're like, hey, try thankfulness. You're like, no, not me. Like, try it. And, and, and from the scriptures, I want you to taste and see that what God demands from us is good. He's trying to lead us in the way of thanksgiving, giving thanks, because that is the way that leads to a life that has something worth giving in it. But tonight, in your small groups, uh, we have plenty of time. I'm going to ask you to take a couple of minutes to write something. And then after that, we're going to see, hey, maybe you guys can share it with your group. If it's too personal, fold that up and give it to the person that you were supposed to give it to. Uh, and if it's like, hey, this is worth sharing, maybe share a few at your small groups. And then there's some small group uh, discussion questions that will help you just walk through what we've talked about tonight. Small group spaces are going to be up on the screens. Leaders, uh, you have the papers for the notes as well as pencils, small group questions, and snacks in the kitchens. Thank you for coming this evening.